Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Amos, chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. And I'm reading this morning from the New International Version. This is what the Sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos, he asked. A basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, The time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, the songs in the temple will turn to wailing. Many, many bodies flung everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat? skimping on the measure, boosting the price and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, selling even the sweepings with the wheat. The Lord has sworn by himself the pride of Jacob. I will never forget anything they have done. Will not the land tremble for this and all who live in it mourn? The whole land will rise like the Nile, It will be stirred up and then sink like the river of Egypt. In that day, declares the Sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your religious festivals into mourning and all your singing into weeping. I will make all of you wear sackcloth and shave your heads. I will make that time like mourning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you very much, Peggy. We are in July, right? So I thought that we might want to celebrate Christmas in July. I like July for a lot of reasons. I like summertime. I like all the four seasons of our of our weather here in Pennsylvania. I like the changes the seasons bring. Probably my favorite season is the fall, but they're all good because of all the different changes. And in our family, we have a lot of birthdays in July. We have a reunion usually in the end of July, and uh, I can't go this year, but we have a lot of celebrations in July, a lot of picnics and time together with family. Do you remember this Christmas song? Do you see what I see? Here are the lyrics of the first verse. Said the night wind to the little lamb, Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night, with a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite. Do any of you besides me like Christmas? Okay. It's kind of sad that we celebrate Christmas one day a year. We don't have any little children here, so I can say this, I think. 
My dad was Santa Claus in my hometown for 26 years. That's over a generation of people that would go and sit on his lap. And when my mother would help my dad get ready to play Santa, he would correct her and say, I am not playing Santa, I am Santa. He truly believed that Christmas should be celebrated all year long. In our church, we have a similar idea with Easter. I like Easter, too. It's a great other celebration of the year. And when we talk about the season of Lent, there are technically 40 days of Lent. But when you look at the calendar and do the math, there's actually more than 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday. And that's because Lent does not count the Sundays in its season. And the reason being that every Sunday is taught to be a resurrection day, a little Easter Sunday. So in effect, we celebrate Easter 52 times a year. Every Sunday is a little mini Easter that we celebrate as God's people when we worship together. So it seems to me that at least Christmas ought to be two times a year, once in July and once in December, don't you think? This song came to my mind when I was reading the story of Amos, and I like the prophet Amos for a lot of reasons. I like his message, well, part of his message, I guess you'd say, but I also like the man. He was a farmer. There's something about farming to me that is just so wholesome. My first two jobs in my life were on a farm. First a dairy farm and then a chicken farm. And, and farmers have a connection with the land, have a connection with the weather, and oftentimes have a connection with God through all of that. So Amos being a farmer, a keeper of sycamore trees and other things, has me liking this guy. I can relate to Amos. When I was in seminary, one of my projects was to look at one of the prophets, and I chose Amos because I like this story so much. And when I was reading this passage this past week from chapter 8 that Peggy just read for us today, I couldn't help but think of this song. Do you see what I see? And the message of the song is to be clear that we have a lot of things to see in the season of Christmas. Do you see what it's all about? Do you see what the birth of Jesus means, not just for the world, but for you especially? Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? Well, that's the exact same message that Amos heard from God. Do you see what I see? Now, in this chapter 8, as Peggy read it, Amos gives it away before he asks the question. He tells us what he's seeing before God asks him, do you see what I see? In the New Revised Standard Version and some others, it says, I see a basket of summer fruit. Now we know that trees and fruits and vegetables, yuck, have seasons, right? 
Some things come in early, some things come in later, some things come in the fall, some things come in the summertime. Has anybody had some good watermelon lately? Me too. I think Jackie bought us some watermelon for she's our mission. She's making coffee. Now. Okay, she's yeah, out making she, coffee. She, did buy the- she bought the watermelon, and I mean, I think it was Roz and Peggy cut it up into little bobby-sized bites, and oh my goodness, it was so juicy. It was just phenomenal. I couldn't get enough of the watermelon. So what Amos sees from God's message to him is this basket of summer fruit. Now, I want to pause for a moment because in chapter 8, this is word of doom. You heard what Peggy read, right? Were you paying attention? These weren't at a boy, at a girl, pat your head a little bit and kind of encouraging words. They are words of doom. And sometimes we need to hear the words of doom, the words of warning that you shouldn't cheat your neighbor, that you shouldn't think that your work is more important than God's work, that you shouldn't cheat in business, that you shouldn't do things that the rest of the world thinks is okay to do. You know, we have certain professions that have a negative connotation with them, right? Used car salesmen, lawyers, right, to name a few. But there are others. And there are other professions that aren't so negatively viewed upon that have businessmen and women taking advantage of others through their work. And God sees it all. God is not blind to the things that we do that we know we ought not to do. There's another Christmas song, isn't there? You better not cry. You better not pout. Right? Because who's watching you? And if you don't behave, what's going to happen on Sunday? Oh, yeah, Sunday morning. Christmas morning. You're going to get a sock full of coal, right? So you better watch your P's and Q's. You know, I was coming down the road today after I got gas this morning. And every once in a while, things happen that I just don't appreciate or don't do the right thing. I was driving down the road, and there was a guy walking up on my side, the proper way to walk on the road. And I didn't see him at first, but when I saw him, I thought, hmm, I wonder where he's going this early on Sunday morning from where he was. And then he waved, and then he was gone. I didn't even have a chance to respond and wave back. We have moments in life that are passing like this, and we have an opportunity to do the right thing, and we don't always do it, do we? I missed that chance today, and I kicked myself for that. We never know what a wave or a smile or a kind hello might affect somebody's day, even a complete stranger. We know how to live. We know what is right to do. We sing the songs. We read the scriptures. We know how to live as Christians. But do we always do it? 
See, Israel wasn't always doing it. They were reaping the rewards of their life that God had given them so amazingly. And they were taking advantage of it. They were misusing it. And they were abusing others. All for self-gain and for money. And all the while, God is watching and saying, Amos, this is it. This is the end. I've had enough. Your people are doomed. Now, earlier in the chapter 4, four chapters earlier, this is what Amos said to the people of God. Prepare to meet your God. There's an old, old story I heard many, many years ago and several times since. And you know, a lot of times there are things in our culture that we identify with. Do any of you have a family Bible? Now, look, put your hand up pretty high so I can see you. And look around. You aren't the only one. We have one, too. Actually, I inherited my grandmother's family Bible when she passed back in 1978. I was only, what, maybe 12 or 13 years old. I think I was 13 at the time. And, and I don't know about your family Bible, but in ours, it's kind of been kind of a filing cabinet of things, too. Uh, we used to put, when I was a kid, when somebody died in our community in my hometown, either funeral director from, there were two in our hometown, they would take the obituary from the newspaper and then laminate it in a lamination, like a card, and then give that to the family. And so we had acquired all these different cards from the deaths of our family and my mom and dad and my grandmother would slip them into the family Bibles. It got so bad that it was starting to crack the spine of the Bible. That's a bad thing. So we started putting it into a drawer in one side table along the sofa there. But do any of you have your family Bible on the coffee table? Do any of you have a coffee table anymore? Coffee table in your living room? Anybody have a coffee table? One, two, three, four. Um, I don't drink coffee. I'm afraid it might stunt my growth still. <laughs> but a coffee table is kind of an old idea, maybe, but our coffee table in my mom's house is kind of symbolic of the gathering space we celebrate in her living room. One of my favorite things about her coffee table isn't just the family Bible that lays there, but also the candy dish. I can't go visit my mom and not visit the candy dish. I think it's Christmas every day at my mom's house. Or maybe Easter bunny comes every day in my mom's house. There's an old story about the family Bible that uh, somebody had it in their coffee table and over the years they would refer to it occasionally and as time went on, time went by, They referred to it less and less. And then as time went on, a little dust gathered on top of the Bible, you know, and it wasn't used all that much. And then word came that Jesus was going to come and visit the home. So the first thing they did was dust it off the family Bible to make it look like it was used a little bit more than it had been lately. Because we never know, do we, when we're going to meet God. That's kind of a scary thought. I would prefer to meet God on one of my good days, not one of my bad ones. When I'm doing the right thing, not when I'm not doing the right thing, or when I'm doing the wrong thing, 
But we don't have that option. We never know when we're going to meet God. And Amos, for all these chapters, I think eight or so in his, in his book, well, more than eight, maybe ten or twelve, all his message is, is to prepare the people for when they meet God. With the hopes that they will be ready to meet their God and able to go into glory. We all have known a lot of people who have passed, who have gone into glory. And I think about some loved ones. Very often, a song comes up and we hear lyrics. And I'm driving down the road with my son from Georgia the other day and a song comes on, I think about my dad. All this happens to us in different times and unexpected moments. And oftentimes there are some great fond memories that we have risen up in our minds. But if you're like me at all, there are some times when I get worried that I didn't live quite like my dad did. Even though I'm a pastor, I still didn't always do what my dad did. I think about Denise, too, and how she loved teaching Sunday school and for the children. And all the things that she did with a self-giving heart, thinking of somebody else, her kids or kids in Sunday school class way before herself. And I think, man, Bob, you're so selfish. We never know when we're going to meet God. So we have to always be ready then, right? If we don't know when it's going to come, we better be ready. And we better be doing the right things. And the people of Israel in Amos' day were doing all the wrong things. And so he wanted them to hear the word of alarm. To hear the word of doom. So they would change their ways and be ready to meet God. Are you ready to meet God today? Let us pray. God, we confess that we don't always do the right thing. There are opportunities that come to us that pass us by and we don't take advantage of. God, forgive us. Help us to be more ready. Help us to keep doing the things you've taught us to do. Help us, God. And we ask this in your name. Amen.